Welcome to the Supporting Sobriety Podcast, dedicated to the unsung heroes behind those struggling with addiction, their friends and family like you. We'll share insights, stories, and resources to help you support your loved ones and care for yourself on the recovery journey. I was a drug user and a user of people. Drugs consumed my life and I surrounded myself with people that enabled me. Eight years ago, I met a woman who was different. She didn't use drugs. And despite her desire to help, she unintentionally fueled my addiction. I manipulated her conditional love, making excuses to get money. And eventually, she just began buying drugs for me, becoming an enabler. I got clean, and that woman became my wife. I'm Ryan Hedrick, a broadcaster in Indianapolis, a recovering addict thriving today. And my mission is to help you find help for your loved ones. I needed someone to party with when I moved from a small town to a city, and I found that person and my best friend from the first college I I didn't graduate from, of course. Uh, on the second night out, he ended up throwing up all over the bathroom of the second oldest bar in the city and, and threw up all over the inside of my apartment complex on someone else's door. I then let him make the two-and-a-half-hour drive home. No, I didn't clean up either of the messes. Uh, the guy barely drank until he met me. I know I enabled him. I showed him a whole new lifestyle. My name is Matt. I do radio in Indianapolis through God's will. I'm an alcoholic in recovery. I'm also an enabler. And this is the Supporting Sobriety Podcast. This is the Supporting Sobriety Podcast, and these are the three ways that you can avoid enabling addiction. Number one, you love unconditionally. Number two, you're present. And number three, you don't advance addiction. Number one, you love unconditionally. Acceptance of the situation that you're going through has a lot to do with unconditional love. I'll share my interactions with men that I sponsor. Accepting my disease goes beyond some type of conscious recognition that I'm an addict. I don't have to accept their disease. I have to accept mine. The same thing goes for unconditional love. When I'm exercising that in any of my relationships, I accept that this person is who they are. I don't have to judge or stereotype the situation that they're going through. Remember this, drugs and alcohol are a symptom of the disease. Also, forgive them because you're going to need to forgive yourself. So forgiveness is part of unconditional love and you're going to need to forgive them because at some point during this recovery journey that we're on, You're going to have to take them off the hook, and you're going to have to take yourself off the hook. I'm so glad you're talking about acceptance because it's such a key core to recovery. And not only that, if we are going to help stop enabling behavior our own, we have to accept the fact, like you said, this person is an individual. And we have to kind of discard our reputations in in some of these stigmas that we have about addicts and alcoholics some of these you know terms you know we've seen so many things on the movies about the addict and everybody's called a junkie and that that language is so damaging it's listen everybody knows somebody that has an alcoholic or an addict in the family if you don't already have one in the family this is what we do in that unconditional love is going to be part 
of helping them get better. But to be able to do that, you have to say, yeah, this is I have an addict in the family. I have an alcoholic in the family. And that can happen to me, too. That can be part of it. Number two, you're present. Empathy is a huge part of this process of being present. You can acknowledge pain and suffering without actually taking part in it. Patience and reassurance. That is the message here. Again, you're going to have to exercise some restraint because when you're patient and tolerant with yourself, I think, at least for me, I find it easier to exercise that with others when I'm patient and tolerant of me. Just remind them that you care when your loved one is going through something like this that could potentially be fatal, but reassurance goes a long way towards showing them that you're present. And when you're present, you have to be present for yourself, and that's such a huge part of it. In fact, it's everything, because if you're not present for yourself, how are you going to help anybody? Uh, You just can't do it. Uh, find Find the support. Find a circle of friends that could experiencing that could be experiencing the same thing that you are, uh, maybe an Al-Anon, maybe a, you could look online, maybe a Facebook group of somebody locally, maybe you with the powers of Zoom and online meetings, you can find a, a Zoom meeting of a support group of somebody else that has an alcoholic or an addict in their family. You can communicate with other members of your family about your loved one's addiction. Just be careful whenever you're talking to family members that you don't introduce another enabler. Uh, Make sure that the boundaries are set and established and, and try to talk to people who don't introduce toxic relationships into a problem that's already complicated and it's already tricky. Number three, you don't advance addiction. This is the one big thing I've learned in my recovery journey. This disease that I suffer with is progressive, incurable, and fatal. So I would strongly suggest that you educate yourself on that aspect and not condone self-medication. When I was living at my mother's house, trying to get clean for like the first time, I was using a drug called Adderall, it's straight amphetamine. I'll never forget the way my mom stood against me taking that drug and told me that I couldn't use the drug in her house. Years later, I mean, she was right. That medication is bad for people that have a passion for stimulants like me. So don't advance and don't try to solve their problems. Just avoid the trap of codependency. Remember, you are powerless but you're powerful. We know this is such a great, tricky area when you're trying to figure out where the line is between a boundary and actually loving the individual. We are so empathetic to that. When do you say, I can't pay your electric bill? Because that's how I would approach you as an alcoholic trying to get my next handle of vodka. I'd say, hey, I uh, can't pay my electric bill. I'm about to get evicted. So, And, and then you're going to have to say, Matt, um... Last time I tried to pay your last time I tried to pay your electric bill or tried to pay your rent, you took that money and you bought a handle of vodka, and then I got to say, okay, so monetarily, it's a hard thing to do. It's a hard thing to say no, but you have to be prepared because we, as alcoholics and addicts, in our powers of manipulation, and they are great, we are going to give you every excuse and tell you everything that is going to happen to us, and it's going to be bad. If you don't give us the money, whether we're going to be cold in January and February or we're not going to be able to run the AC, it's in all those things. We're going to put you on all those guilt trips and you have to be prepared. You have to be prepared to say, I can't give you that money.
In just a minute, we will talk with our guest for today, Philip Van Gilder, the Narcan man, and he calls himself a recovery evangelist, which is really cool. Philip's coming up in just a minute to talk about all this enabling enablers here on the Supporting Sobriety Podcast. I had changed the locks, didn't even know where she was living. And then one night she calls to say she's getting treatment. Can I drive? I almost hung up. But then I thought, that's my kid. I chose to put away the hurt and the fear and just see my girl. Addiction is a disease. Standing by a loved one as they fight it will test your faith, patience, and sanity. But it's possible when you see the person, not just their disease. Learn more at cbeyondtheaddiction.org. You're listening to the Supporting Sobriety Podcast. Our guest on the Supporting Sobriety Podcast today is Philip Van Gilder, Director of Community Relations for Greenhouse Treatment Center. He turned a personal crisis into a mission. His son's opioid overdose spurred him to become a naloxone administration trainer, better known as Narcan, and as part of the American Addiction Center's overdose prevention training in 2021, he uh, he offers virtual sessions to make Narcan training accessible to businesses. So I want to welcome him to the Supporting Sobriety podcast. Philip, thanks for joining us. I'm, I'm, I'm blessed to be here. Thank you for the invitation. Philip, uh, Matt Bear here, and um, first off, you, you you have a nickname. You're called the Narcan Man. Is that correct? Yeah, because of some of the work I've done, uh, so committed to this and uh, helping folks survive mistakes that they've made, uh, I guess that's uh, an appropriate title. So what we're talking about today is enabling, and why don't you go and define for us what an enabler is? I want to be careful because there's uh, there's two parts to this. Well, one is a parent trying to be a parent with what parent tools they have, and the other is someone that's so overwhelmed that they don't really understand and and they want to avoid looking at this in the face. And what I mean by that is, is it's not really happening to us. It's not really happening here. And yes, it looks like my child has some unusual behavior. Yes, my child is seems to be a little out of control. Yes, they don't do exactly what I asked them to do. They don't really act the way they used to act. So uh, it's okay. You know, that's just that's just boys being boys or girls being girls. Or that's just what teenagers do. And so they allow themselves to violate any boundaries that they may have. They they turn they look the other way. Or they, you know, I can remember how I justified it. It's, wait a second, I'm, I'm not really enabling. I'm just putting gas in their car because they have to go to school. Or I'm putting gas in their car because they have to go to work. Yeah, I'm just giving this money so that they can so have lunch money. When I know deep down that there's something else that's going on, and I don't want to, I don't want to confront that. Philip Van Gilder joins us. He's the director of uh, community relationships at Greenhouse Treatment Center. Let's kind of understand the difference between supporting someone and enabling their addictive behavior. It's a, it's a very gray area, isn't it? And a lot of times, in my personal experience, the people trying to help people have been just riddled with guilt. I, I, it's fair. Guilt, but the guilt goes with goes with fear, both. They're both the same. 
the fear and the guilt. I mean, it's a strong, yeah, I mean, let me say what it, so here's what happens uh, for me. This is what happened for me. And so I, I find out that I think my daughter may be using drugs. I don't know anything about drugs other than what the TV's told me or what somebody else has told me. But the first thing I do is I confront my daughter and I don't do it in a loving way. I, I, I confront my daughter and I go, Hey, if you've been doing this, you know, you're going to lose your car. You're not going anywhere for, until you're 25 years old. So what I do is, is I now throw the shame and guilt on my daughter. She's already feeling shame and guilt. What I have to do is I have to understand that my daughter, and this is the hardest thing for somebody, has a disease. That my daughter's ill. She's not defiant. She's not. She, all those are symptoms of the fact that she's now ill. And so I have to approach my daughter in a way or my son in a way that says, I love you. You're going through something right now and I'm here to be your support mechanism. Now there's the first step is to come at it with love, kindness and respect, just like you would if you found out your daughter or son had some uh, physical disease, diabetes or, or cancer or anything else. Cause that's what this is. It's a disease. And then once I do that, then I establish certain boundaries. But I give that individual this free channel of communication that's filled with love and support. And while I'm doing that, I become educated about what support looks like and what enabling looks like. And that's, that's tricky, but I don't automatically assume that because my child is using that the first thing they need to do is go to treatment. I need to get some professional help, and I need to be honest and open. Philip, you, you make—I'm I'm thinking about the like. Say, I, I was a parent, and, and I'm thinking about it from that perspective. Um, if I would, well, not have any experience that I have as a recovering alcoholic and addict, but if I caught my child, say, smoking marijuana or found a crack pipe, I mean, my, I think my first reaction would be to be angry. And it sounds like you're saying that. Maybe that's not the best first reaction that maybe we can look at this as maybe my child has a disease as well, or maybe my child has the disease of addiction. Correct. I mean, we, no one's ever, I don't believe we have any science that shows that some, some person has ever woken up and said, you know what, I choose to abuse drugs today. You don't get there that way. That's not how it happens. It's not intentional. It's unintentional. It happens just like it would happen if you woke up and found out that your child was afflicted with a physical disease. Hmm. And, 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 and so what would you do if you found out that the doctor just told you that your child had, had some tumor? The first thing you do is you'd get around experts and you'd ask for help and you, and you would find out exactly how to address this in, uh, in, a, in, a, in a loving, pragmatic way. It doesn't mean you accept it. You don't accept the tumor. You don't accept the, 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 the addiction or the usage of drugs, but you don't come at it from, if you, don't, if you don't stop this, you know what? You will never leave this house again without an escort. Mm. I mean, that, that, the child already, or the individual, whether it's a child or an adult, already feels guilt and shame. Philip Van Gilder joins us, and uh, this is the Supporting Sobriety Podcast. We're dealing with enabling, and anybody that's ever tried to help anybody get help from addiction and alcoholism, which is a disease as we understand it, because, Philip, it's progressive and incurable. Um, we're, we're talking about enabling today. And, and I want to also address, you know, the healthy boundaries, because 
as that person's disease progresses, their behavior is going to progress. Um, the incidents, maybe the arrests, the court dates, the treatment stays, they are going to progress. So let's talk about boundaries and how you can establish healthy boundaries to help support your loved one while they're seeking recovery. The first thing I want to do is I want to ask the individual I'm trying to help is I want to know what it is I can do to help them. I'm not going to buy them drugs. I'm not going to give them money. I'm I'm willing to get them help, but I want to ask them what they would like me to do to help them get well. And that's the way I'm going to approach it. And and you're going to set it up and it's going to be measurable. Like, would you like to go to meetings? The first thing I want to do is, is would you agree to visit with a therapist? Everybody that's using drugs and alcohol, the first thing we don't need to do is say, man, I'm sending you to treatment. I'm getting an interventionist involved. I mean, there's, this is a little more complex, but I need to have someone speak with this individual that's a professional that understands where this and can help this person understand where they are and help this person understand how they could accept the help and begin to get well. Now, now, if it's progressed, if I totally missed this, let's say this has been going on for some period of time and I've totally missed it. Yeah, there may be a reason why this person needs to go to treatment. What can I do um, when my son, if I had a son, and I know they're using now, I, I know there's an issue, and we've talked about it before. He comes up to me and says, hey, I'm 20 bucks short on my electric bill. Can you give me some money? And, and this is the point oh, okay. that I have decided. Yeah. This is the point that I have decided that I'm not going to enable him anymore. What do I, uh, how do I respond? Okay. If it's that clear... Uh, I'm happy to help you, but I can't help you with money. I'm happy to help you, but I can't help you with money. I can help you with your challenge right now. I can help you with your disease. The last thing uh, someone that's actively using wants to be told is this is a disease. If you're using, you already know what it is. You're helpless. Like I can remember one time uh, saying to one of my kids that wanted to, uh, they had no car. And had no ride and said, well, I give him a ride to the bus stop. And I said, uh, actually, I won't because <laughs> they didn't need to be going to the train. Because where were they going? They were going to the train to go to a part of town where they didn't need to be. They weren't going to work. So there's, I was not going to support any activity that was not productive for them to be at least be, getting well and trying to normalize their life. What if they say, I'm going to go ask uh, Aunt Jenny? I'll just go get the money from Aunt Jenny and try to put you on some sort of, uh, well, I, if you're not going to do it for me, I'll get it from somewhere else because they love me more. Yeah, and they, I'm sure they do. And, and we as a family have talked and everyone in the family knows that you're struggling right now. And everyone in this family is 100% supportive about helping you get the help you need. But everyone in this family is 100% supportive about what you need. So make a call to your Aunt Jenny. <laughs> go ahead go ahead and call her right yeah yeah i mean because you see i'm not hiding it from anybody yeah it's funny it's funny you mention that because <laughs> one of my kids all my kids have an aunt jenny and we've been through this <laughs> nice, nice. <laughs> philip van gilder joins us on the supporting sobriety podcast we're talking about enabling um and it is a it, it is a topic that people have a lot of uh, emotional investment in if you've ever helped somebody try to get clean and sober then you know how difficult this can be i was talking to my own mother about um enabling and she told me at some point she felt like she was enabling me but 
on another level, she just became so angry that she washed her hands. Is there any positive reinforcement strategies that you can that that maybe can encourage healthy behaviors and, and discourage people from enabling? What what type of line do we draw when it comes to that? I've got to be healthy first of all. Yeah. I've got, I've got to, if if I'm the person that's trying to help the person that's sick, then I've got to be healthy. I can't, I can't be ill. I can't let this, the disease takes hostages and it's already got, say my young one or my best friend. I can't let it take me. One of us has to be free of the disease. I've never heard that the disease takes hostages. Well, think about what you, yeah, you just great. said about your mom, right? Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Well done. Yeah, I mean, uh, and so now your mom's got to be strong enough so she can be there when when she can actually get through to you. Not when you're ready. We don't use that term, when you're ready. That's another bad term. But when she actually gets through to you. Why do you think that's a bad term, Philip? Yeah, it gives me a chance to tune out and say, well, I've done my part. When he's ready, he'll he'll listen. So when it comes to enabling, basically, it, it, one thing we're not necessarily saying is shut down the love, is shut down the way of communication when you're trying to cut this person off from giving them money and giving them ways to go purchase or acquire and use drugs. Uh, what we're saying is maybe, uh, is, and you've said this several times, Phil, it is so tricky to uh, walk that fine line between love and not... Uh, reinforcing that disease is, is that kind of where we're at with this i think so i mean i i yesterday uh this is an example from yesterday a gentleman someone that i've watched get well struggling and uh, actually two cases uh, let me stop there and go back a few weeks ago someone that i've tried that i've watched come in and out of the rooms for many years and he called me and he said, uh, I need some help. And, you know, and I mean, I'm talking about many times, many times. I got in my car. I was happy to do it. I picked him up. It was on a Sunday. I took him to the hospital. He said, what am I doing here? And I said, you need to go in and let these guys know that that uh, you need help. And he said, well, you know, when I was here last time, they wouldn't help me. And I said, uh-huh. Well, you better, I hope you can convince them this time. I mean, I, I did my part. And, 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 and it's not like, okay, I'm, I'm cutting you off. I, I'm happy to come. I'm happy to do this, but I'm healthy. But I'm not going any farther than this. And again, as you said it earlier, you're preserving your own mental health. Because if, you, if you're not healthy, then you can't help anybody. And that's uh, it's so important. Yeah. yeah, I know. And old school says, well, you know what? Uh, and you guys have heard it. You've been around the rooms. I, mean, yeah. like, I used to believe it. Yeah, the big book says, oh, yeah, you know what? You need to take your time and turn your attention to the person that really wants it. Yeah, that's true. But, but you know, I'm not going to enable you, but I'm not going to – I will take your call up to a point. And then my health, like with the individuals I was talking about earlier, it's like I, I had to just stop. And it's not a matter of him being ready. I'm not the person that's going to be able to help him. I recognize my limits. I can't go any farther. Philip, if you had to bullet point – three or four things that you've learned about enabling versus setting healthy boundaries. What do you want people to know most? The three things. I'm coming at this with unconditional love. I'm going to take care of myself so that I can be present for you. And I'm not going to do anything that advances your addiction. I'm going to do everything that helps you overcome your addiction. 
that's three bullets. Ten years ago, you didn't maybe didn't know somebody suffering with addiction or who had died from addiction. Now you very well know somebody being directly impacted or who has died from the disease of addiction. When I used Narcan on my son a few years ago, he was with two boys, and and I I was able to revive him, get the paramedics here, and, and he successfully revived. And, and today, now, several years later, he's in recovery and, and working a program. But one of the two boys that called that day perished two weeks later. I never bothered to call his parents and say to his parents, hey, your son was with my son, and here's what happened to my son. So I believe all three of these young men were using. So I never bothered to call. I didn't bother. I was so, you know, wrapped up with my son and getting him. Well, I just assumed it was my son and not the other two. And so two weeks later, he perished. His parents weren't trained in the, on how to use Narcan and they weren't, maybe they weren't aware that he was using drugs. I don't know, but I owed it to them to be visible. I owed it to that young man to be visible for him. And I didn't. I never even entered my mind. And today, every day, rare that I don't think about that, especially when I start to do training and help people understand how to use Narcan, that that thought doesn't come back to me. Hmm. That will haunt me forever. Philip Van Gilder joining us. And uh, you've been so courageous to, to share with us your story. If people want to learn more about you, Philip, and learn more about your mission and your experience, where can they go? 214-505-4553. Is that your personal number, Philip? That's my personal number. Okay. And I and I would I would offer this, like here in our area of Dallas, there's two groups that I'm a part of. One is called Winning the Fight, and the other is uh, Love Cassidy. And they're both started by mothers who lost their child. Call one of these mothers. If you go to their websites, call one of these mothers. They will invite you to a meeting. If you haven't lost your child yet, find somebody in your city. That's that. Find the organization in your city that was started by a, a mother or father who had lost a child. Believe me, they're not just advocates. They're just so anxious to help you not lose yours. Find out from them what they missed, what they didn't catch, and what they would do differently today. Philip Van Gilder on the Supporting Sobriety Podcast. Matt Bear, Ryan Hedrick. Philip, thank you so much. Gentlemen, thank you. It's 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 an honor to be with you both, and, and I and I applaud what you're doing. I hope you reach a lot of people. Thanks, Philip. More to come on the Supporting Sobriety Podcast. I found hope in the midst of an overwhelming situation. Alcoholism can affect any family. Are you in an overwhelming situation because of someone else's drinking? Al-Anon and Alateen can help. Call 866-200-0033 or visit alanon.org slash hope. This is the Supporting Sobriety Podcast. So on the Supporting Sobriety Podcast today, Matt, we talked about the three ways that you can avoid enabling addiction. Well, number one, you love unconditionally. Number two, you're present. And number three, you don't advance addiction. We have to keep that love going. We have to keep that communication. And even when we set boundaries, just because we set boundaries, that doesn't mean 
we're cutting anybody off. It's a tough phrase, cutting off. It yeah. sounds like it's the end of the end of the end, and I and I don't always like to use that phrase. And, and I think the one big theme that I think the one big theme that we heard from Philip was empathy. Everything is channeled through empathy because without that. It cuts off understanding, it cuts off educating yourself, it cuts off the self-care and the self-love that you're going to need to deal with situations that are probably going to be the most challenging of your life. Absolutely, and you have to be present for yourself, as we talked about that. You have to be there for yourself, keep your mental health strong, find a good support system, because if you're no... If you're no good, if if your mental health isn't where it needs to be, if you're not where you need to be, you can't help anybody. If you're an addict or in use of alcoholism, you can't help anybody. Think about it as like you're training for a marathon. You're not training for a 5K. You're training for a marathon. You need to do so stuff good. to feed your spirit, to feed your soul, build yourself physically, mentally, and spiritually for the battle ahead because it is going to be a battle with your loved one and you don't advance the addiction and again and we stress this over and over we know we're talking about an area that seems so gray between love acceptance and saying no and being able to tell that person no but you got to stop giving them the money at some point right Mm -hmm. you can find us on social media x instagram at sobriety underscore pod that's at sobriety underscore pod and also if you need a meeting because you may from time to time you can attend them either virtually or in person if you want to hit up a meeting virtually meetings virtual hyphen na.org for aa it's aa.intragroup.org slash meetings and of course the suicide prevention hotline 1-800-273- 8255, and that's a 24-7 resource that you can use. Also, alanon.org. Our guest was Philip Van Gilder. He was just outstanding in sharing his stories, and we so appreciate his time and taking the time out of the day to help the people behind the people. So thank you to Philip. Some of the websites he did mention was WTFWinningTheFight.org. You can go to that or also LoveCassidy.org. Great support groups there that Philip took time to mention. And we hope you get involved with that. Keep this sobriety community growing and up and running. And remember, like us and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And please rate us five stars. Supporting Sobriety Podcast. I'm Ryan Hedrick. I'm Matt Bear. See you guys. 